0: That's why we had to call him the White Wolf. And he stood in the middle of that frozen lake like he knew it was coming for him. The ice cracked open and the Selkibor shot out. Oh, you've never seen one. But it would take down a ship with its cavernous mouth full of devil's teeth. And it swallowed. That witcher. hall
1: whole... Oh, this is brilliant. Oh, sorry. It's just
0: Geralt's usually so stingy with the details. Uh, and then what happened? He died. Oh. Yeah, he's fine. Look, I was there. I saw it with my own. Oh. See? <laughs> oh. What's that stench?
2: Silky so more guts Had to get it from the inside I'll take what I'm owed
0: Toss a coin to your witcher Oh valley of plenty Whoa.
1: Toss a coin to your witcher A friend of humanity
0: no no be afraid be
2: very afraid
0: there's nothing to fear except God whatever that means to you do I look like someone who
2: Listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello, and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week. And especially this year, and especially today, we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is longtime chum, Reed Lackey. And He was here, but he said he had to go let a hedgehog into his court. (laughs) In the meantime... Allow me to welcome you, listeners, back into our big series for the year, What Scares Us Slash What Saves Us, a series defined by you. You've been submitting your stories of films and media that instilled or stoked a certain fearful imagining in you, and we are covering them right here on the show. But I'm getting ahead of myself because here at The Fear of God we explore. We don't explain. Except for right now when I explain that you can listen to The Fear of God at your nearest podcast platform. You can watch The Fear of God on YouTube. And you can browse The Fear of God on the web. Where you will find Afterthoughts blog series. Uh, currently now, Watch Your Wednesday blog series. And you'll also find Read.
1: Read. i think that's actually the super mario nes thing i was trying to conjure the song for sonic the hedgehog but i could not i don't even know what that would be i'm not sure i'm not sure i just remember it would always go faster at a certain and you'd get all the rings you were definitely
2: doing mario brothers yeah i know once the you know the yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once the once the time started running out on you, that's right. You got to get to the end level. you got to get I don't
0: know what's happening. Where's the warp whistle?
1: <laughs> wow. Um. Yeah. So, hey, man. Hey. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Um. So yeah, you already you already kind of here we are at the end of this long We're journey here. through the continent. Uh, we are uh going to be talking about. Episode seven, I bet there's eight. a joke somewhere in there about incontinent. I, I've been <laughs>
2: racking my brain for it, though. I can't, I can't, I can't find it. So maybe she listeners pooped can on him, girl. <laughs> uh, oh,
1: six, 60 years of majory And never pooped on me before. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, yeah. So uh, but yeah, we're going to be going into The Witcher. Uh, we'll do that in just a little bit. You covered most of our business time before you know so we're just afterthoughts oh. blogs watch your wednesdays you know i'm gonna inaugurate the first few and then i'll give you a chance eventually okay we'll see oh, we'll just see how I, it goes i, I kind of doubt that you're like <laughs> we'll wait wait see. wait nathan no we'll just see
2: be the like, nightstand oh, is very tall right
1: now the stand
2: pile <laughs> is very like, no, tall No,
1: no. You've, you've you've cut me out from talking about the 23 books that i read last month so i'm just kidding uh yeah Anyway, so, okay. Yes, well, check yeah. out the website. Uh, Do all that good stuff. Business time.
2: Go Bet read you. some. Go read some blogs. <laughs> tell your tell your friends. <laughs> Learn um,
0: to throw, you, throw your voice. <laughs> tell your
1: friends. Fun <laughs> <apart us. laughs> oh, <my gosh. laughs>
2: uh, So, read. We need to address our the person uh, one Mister Jacob Sane who
1: offered us the Witcher because we we're not it. doing a Watcher. No, we're not doing a watcha. no Watcher for the Witcher. No Watcher for the Witcher because we other the Watcha Wednesdays, so He's uh like, you know, What'd you think about that? <laughs> so um as, as we have been prone to do, we, uh, it, when we didn't have the submitter on the show to talk about themselves, we invited them to record their own voice, uh, sharing their submission with us, which has been a really lot, a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, listeners have had that as well. It's probably a little anxiety-inducing hearing yourself, but Jacob uh, had given us quite a substantial pitch for The Witcher, so um, I'm going to give you the floor. I'm going to go refresh my drink, uh, so take it away, Jacob.
0: Hey, Reed. Hey, Nathan. Hello, fellow foggers. Uh, First off, I just wanted to say thank you for covering The Witcher. Um, It's been a lot of fun. And to my fellow listeners out there, if you've been along for the ride and jumped in headfirst without knowing what you were getting into, you know, God bless you. Um, I've definitely enjoyed listening to everyone and hearing Reed and Nathan find their way through the continent. They asked me to send this recording of my original submission. And I'm just going to read it exactly like I wrote it. Okay, here it goes. Here's my pitch for The Witcher. My pitcher? Whatever. I know it's a TV series, but with just one season on Netflix, I think it's pretty accessible. It's also likely not the scariest submission you will receive but I think it has some good substantive meat on its bones and enough frightening images to qualify. From a classic creature feature perspective, you really do get some gnarly sights and ghastly frights. The monsters have a wonderful aesthetic, but it's Geralt that scares people. Witchers are inhuman, you see, and while they are tolerated, they're certainly not accepted by the common folk. They take money to do a job, namely kill monsters, But at the end of the day, they are not welcome in the ordinary lives of the average man. So here we have a societal scare. Do we only accept those who are different from us as long as they are useful and earn their keep? Should a minority have to have exceptional skills just to be one of us? It makes me think, what if I were marked or different in some way? I'm not sure I'd be able to go above and beyond just to prove I'm equal to those around me. Secondly, what scares me in The Witcher is the idea that our fates are inevitable. Geralt is very callous towards the notion of fate or destiny when we first meet him, but by the end of season one, he is forced to acknowledge that a certain fate is inescapable for him, for better or worse. Words like predeterminism and Calvinism come to mind. What's scarier, an inevitable conclusion to our lives no matter what we do, or the weight of consequence that comes with the freedom of our actions fate while certainly intimidating can in some ways absolve us of our choices freedom on the other hand is downright paralyzing when we aren't prepared to accept the mantle of responsibility regardless these are a few takeaways i had from the witcher even if you never end up covering it on the fog I do hope you'll give the show a chance and find some enjoyment out of Henry Cavill slicing up beasties. Thanks again, everyone. Reed, Nathan, I leave the Witcher in your hands.
2: Thank you, Jacob, for your offering and for uh introducing us to the continent where uh, uh, the top song on the pop charts is put another nickel in in that Nickelodeon. Wow. All they ever want to do is hire a witcher, a witch or a witcher.
1: Oh, my God. Woo! Read. Oh, it's just old the all-singing,
2: all-dancing version these days of <laughs> Fear of God.
1: <laughs> I suppose so. It ain't that yeah. bad, though. It ain't that bad, though. Yeah. So, I have a question for you. Okay. Do we, like, we've been prone in recent weeks to take scary moments from the thing and just sort of like make a little game out of it but that's hard to do in a tv show you got any thoughts on that it's true
2: well it's no i do i've got you, a thought you, oh, I, you I appreciate that rather organic toss you just really made for just, me uh because you know what i'm gonna just i'm, I'm just gonna go for you. it and okay. be like those ain't right they ain't right them ain't right those ain't right because on this installment
0: read these ain't right <laughs> 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 mm. all of
2: them witches <laughs> all of them monsters
1: <laughs> oh lord <have> mercy.
2: <laughs> wow um <laughs> so no we're not going to do scary scenes read this oh, installment because, okay, okay. because something that is, um and look, you'll love this. I've actually got a handwritten <laughs> note card here.
1: Where did you find a pen? I don't think, that, I didn't I, think they make those anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. all Turns
2: keyboards. Out, and... It was Quill. It was Quill and Ink. Oh, uh, wow. I went Witcher, Winter, Witcher times.
0: Wow. Um,
2: <laughs> no, but endemic to the mythos of the Witcher mm. is that he is a monster hunter. Yes. And so... Actually, something that is present throughout the season one of the of Netflix's The Witcher gets. Be sure you add that there. Um, Because there are multiple iterations of Witchers. There's the books. There's the games. There's the Netflix show. Mm. Funny story. I was Mm. recently at my fellow vaccinated buddy Stephen Scagrove's house, Ah. and his wife was playing a video game, and I was like, "What you playing? What you?" I was what like, what's your play? what's what you playing. What playing? Uh, oh my gosh. And she was like, Oh, it's the Witcher. like, oh, <gasps> oh, <don't>, oh, what? <laughs> and she was I, I stood there and watched and I was like, no, who is that? Because I could tell who Geralt was, though he was no cavel, let's be clear. Um <laughs> but he's <laughs> the talking about somebody better in real life. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, that's my vampire friend. I was like, nope. Oh, that sounds right, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, in the spirit of the vampire friend present in apparently The Witcher Three, which mm. I, I really have no idea what I'm talking about, and uh, I, me either, me either. <laughs> uh, what we're gonna do is I'm gonna catalog for you real quickly the oh. monsters of yeah, The I Witcher see, Season One. I feel okay. like, okay, I feel like I've hit. Uh, I'm I'm entering Witcher school, okay, because. I watched a video today to figure out what were all the monsters mm. in season one so that mm. we could, mm. those ain't right with oh, the Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going right. to tell you the monsters that show up, mm. and if I remember, I'll give you a little note on it. So, uh, the first monster we encounter is in the very first scene, and as you alluded to a few weeks ago, that is the... Sp- spider... Kikimora. Whatever. No, it's yes. a
1: Kikimora. That's right. Yes, it's a Kikimora. Yes, yes. Yeah, in episode
2: a, one. Not spider pig. Uh, it's It's the, the big spider yeah. monster. Sick <laughs> <Yes. laughs> dog loaf of bread. Um. Oh. <laughs> System error. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the Kikimora. Um, in episode two mm. is the horned goat thing, which is called a sylvan.
1: Sylvan. Yes. Okay. All right.
2: And that is the episode I I was
1: during. I Where? was almost... I thought you were saying that was the horned goat thing. I was like, oh, they just, the they just, gave, they just gave up and just called it the horned goat thing. <laughs> yes. But no, it's the Sylvan. Okay, oh. all right, it's the Sylvan.
2: Yeah. Look upon the horned goat <laughs> of of the continent. <laughs> right. It's like the most generic names
1: we can find. <laughs> well, everything else is like, oh, no, no, that's not a spider. That's a kikimora. You know, yeah. but uh, a, what's the, a horned but goat? I mean, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, so I got
2: the kikimora. <laughs> yeah. Now, what is that thing? Oh. <laughs> yeah. The horned goat. It's a, a horned goat. Uh, oh, oh, I thought really nothing fancy. Right, and It's, right. it's oh, like Robocop. No. It's <laughs> like uh huh. <Okay>. Wow, <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Uh, okay. So you got the Kikimora. You got the Sylvan. Okay. You have the Striga, which you'll remember. Striga. <laughs> Striga. <laughs> uh, which is the cursed female and mm. they are predominantly females in the world of the Witcher, are Strigas? This one particularly was cursed pre-birth. So she, right. was, she came right. into the world a struggle. Struggle. Um Then you have what actually this video, which was pooling, pooling, pulling <laughs> from all... Oh, it was pooling. It was pooling. <laughs> it was pooling. It was pooling from Zubichi. No. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so... So the next beastie is the ant monster thing, the Psycho Jiminy cricket that Psycho you. Psycho Gemini cricket. They yeah. actually said they cited that. this as unknown. They did suggest it's possibly an Endraga. Endraga. Endraka. <laughs> I prefer Psycho Jiminy cricket. Kikamora. <laughs> uh, now I'm going to, sh- I'm going to shout out here. Oh. They included this as a monster. So this is not me okay. being a horned goat. They <laughs> threw Dooney the hedgehog. In oh, okay. the list right. of monsters. All right. You know, right. So.
0: Dooney
1: the Hedgehog. <laughs> Sonic, <laughs> Sonic. Sonic and Knuckles. <laughs> 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 Sonic and Knuckles, like, you know, yeah. his uh, ousted cousin. Yeah. 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 Dooney's all, right. all like, well, I want a ring. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> then you
2: have the Doppler, which is yeah, not okay, to be Doppler. confused yeah, right. with the German family and the TV show Dark. um hmm? But that Good is the Shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. Thank you. The Shapeshifter. Um,
1: it's not most... called a Doppler it's called a shapeshifter
2: Or it's... well no I'm, I'm articulating what the type mm, of monster is like it. the yeah, horned yeah. goat is called a sylvan no <laughs> the shapeshifter is called a Doppler however this is a true story true fact here from the world of the witcher I'm telling you no, I am becoming I'm on my way to being a my there you're there oh. witcherdom um, the most famous Doppler in witcher lore is I'm not making this up his name is doo <laughs>
0: The Doppler. <laughs> the Doppler.
2: Which makes sense. On the incontinent. do Takes whatever shape it needs to.
1: <laughs> but still can't get rid of the smell. <laughs> 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 All shapes and sizes. You know your Dopplers. Oh, um man.
2: <laughs> next, next on the list with not nearly as fun a name is the Jinn. Yeah. Who, who are, was articulated in the video I watch as, as one of the most powerful entities in Witcherdom. Makes um, sense. Sure. I did not remember this until I saw the footage in the video here, but the, it's called a Harika. Now, the Harika it, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a blink and <laughs> you miss it, but it's the tall, hairy golem
1: thing in the yeah the one that yeah. they unceremoniously butcher because yeah, all, he, all he wants is uh, some food i mean the witcher I, even that, said in there like Geralt yeah. even said like if we'd fed him he would go away you crazy people so well that was
2: where, that was yennefer's lancelot that did that right yeah yeah, yeah. Psh, yeah. dude and then the he got, <laughs> and then he got he got, <laughs> he got <laughs> indigestion yeah he did he, yeah, did. he, he, got, he got some, some. <laughs> <laughs> okay so the final two here are the dragons of course which mm. are just you know the beasts and then uh they say that or this person in this youtube video i watched which was a learned video they were further along in their witcher studies than i am they implied the potential that the creatures that attack Geralt in seven, I think. Mm. Yes. Okay. Are no, that's the top of eight. I don't. It's the top of eight. Um,
1: the ones that bite him on the leg. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The are ghouls he said
2: things. they might be ghouls. Yeah. Did you? Ghouls. No. I, I, did you just make that up? Did you just I, say that? I, I did not make that up. Right no. Okay. Nope, I just <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> okay. now, however, he said ghouls in Witcher lore do typically um, uh, attack from beneath the earth, like they like, they burrow, mm. but. They don't have a sort of poison bite like what happens to Witcher. And, and this okay. gentleman was speculating was that made up for the show? So, he should so call re- somebody. Quick reiteration again um, Kikimora, Sylvan, the Horned Goat, the Striga, the Ant Monster, uh, Dooney the Hedgehog, Doppler Doodoo, Jin, mm-hmm. Herika, Dragons, and Ghouls. Okay. I'm oh going to start with you. What is. If you were to quickly in your brain make a three yeah. to one. And, and on this
1: game, we go top to bottom, right? Like it's, it's you know. We, it's okay, really, sure. yep Yeah. Yep. You, yep. you pick your worst. Pick your poison. Okay. So, uh, so what is the mo- most monstrous? Already know my worst, man. Striga. Like freaking, fr- like in terms of creature design, in terms of frights, in terms of power, strength, intimidation. Um, I still think. Now that I've seen it all, I think my favorite episode of the series was episode three. Huh. Um, I think that whole plot line of Geralt versus the Stig- Striga uh, really just was very galvanizing in a lot of ways. But that creature design is just terrifying. Some of those shots where the Striga is, like, running at him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, my worst... Well, and
2: I didn't do the research to know this, so, you know, it's surely an authoritative statement. But, um. <laughs> It appears to be pretty practical effects in it a sure decent seems to portion yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure yeah. there's probably some digital enhancement. Yeah. I got to be honest. I think, I think mine. You know, he deserves it, but I'm not going to put Dooney there just because I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Uh, but I really am not a Dooney fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. Just playing. <laughs> Hedge- Hedgehogs of the world, you can rest easy. Um, for me, it's the it's the ant monster. That thing was yeah, wicked.
1: Sy- yeah, Psycho Jiminy Cricket, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah.
2: It was what did you gnarly. What Cricket's song? What uh,
1: When You Wish Upon a Star. Mm. Yeah. When You Kill a Yennefer. <laughs> or A <maybe>. Yennefer, <laughs> Yennefer Divine the <to> Um, <laughs> Yes. But yes, that, yeah, that thing was... I was would gnarly. Well, I won't
2: say that, because you might put it as your, your third one here, but no, there's another... Well, I would have, I would have maybe picked the Kikamura mm. but I think visually that thing is so arresting and the way it's lit in the episode it shows up in, it's yeah. very intimidating and monstrous and it, it it's it's a very quick register of like, okay, right. that thing I do not want near
1: me. Yeah, and it's know? freaking fast. Yeah, like it yeah. it goes for you. Like it's just yeah, no, uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. Uh-uh. And I mean that whole thing about it that that moment in that episode that whole thing about like you know jumping portals to get away from it but mm-hmm. it's just like yeah like you've got to open that portal and you've got to jump through before it gets down there and man that sucker is just like fast and vicious and brutal and yeah dude freaking good choice good choice okay do you have a third dude, or are you i done? do i do okay do um <laughs> so, <laughs> no do 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 is not my is not my third choice uh no it's i'm gonna never i guess i guess we'll call them goals first choice um okay Those things, I mean, that's like there's a couple of shots. They're not in it for long. I mean, they're in it for like you know what the first five minutes of the top of episode eight. But man, Mm. that's pretty. Like when they when they pop up and everything. I mean, we've seen plenty of zombie-like creatures in this the run of this podcast, but those ghouls are very. I mean, they've got these like lit eyes, and it's yeah. And then there's you know like their mouths are all like. Uh, sharp fanged obviously like gaping uh, but then they're they look quite skeletal mm-hmm. in terms of their general sort of slight frame uh, and then yeah the burrowing under the ground and everything There's a little bit so,
2: of stalfos yeah. energy going on there do you know what a stalfos is I Reed? Don't wow. really wow i don't know what a stalfos you might struggle is. with that one which yeah. not that is not a, a derisive comment towards your knowledge base What's Other than i s- just a stalfos is the skeletons in zelda
1: Oh yeah, yeah 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 I just my my Zelda lore knowledge is okay I walk up here I okay, I poke that thing <laughs> <Yep>.
2: Oh <wait. laughs> Someone out there is along with me on this.
0: Yeah, the
2: one. No, there's more. No, no, no. Somebody, somebody. I need someone on Facebook in the group to be like, "I got you, Nathan." (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, I was there. I was with you.
1: Oh man. So yeah, those are those are my top three of. uh, Those ain't right. Those ain't right.
0: Those ain't right. right. Do (laughs) the right.
1: Dude, doo doo ain't right. <laughs> doo doo ain't right. Doppler is doo doo. What were they thinking? You I know, don't know there were man. some people making up that thing that were just like, <laughs> doo doo. Let's see if this flies. And then somebody's yeah. just like, oh. I don't care. I've signed enough checks. <laughs> <I don't laughs> we're want just going to write this. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> flung doo <doo-doo>. doo? <laughs> oh, <laughs> poo? Oh, man. Okay, so yes. Mm. So I think we should probably. Here's what I but want to say. What? What? What do you want to what? do? What, what do you No. What? What are you
2: doing? No. All I was gonna. What do you want to say? Because I was about to ask something. Well, go ahead. It's no, not you a ask question. It. So, oh, it's a question because those get asked. But yeah. Um. In general, we finished gen- this this season. Yes. And I'll I'll answer for myself. uh okay. While you ponder, and also because I want to take some of the venom out, uh, hmm. or the concerns of venom, um. In general, what are your feelings on season one of The Witcher, having completed it now? And I will say, for me, I think I'll I'll frame it this way: towards the end, set seven and eight did a lot to raise yeah. the tide to the point that that for a split second, I was like, "Would I rewatch this to see how I?" Assess oh, okay. it again. I'm right. not. <laughs> but I did have the, the thought.
1: The answer to that is no.
2: But. <laughs> right. But not out of malice. In this case, it was simply who's got the time for that? Um, <laughs> but once notes like Oh, Geralt is in this in this in the cell at the bottom of Centra so cool. at the sacking of Centra. I was like, okay, that- now that's cool. That's that was cool. Really I like cool. it. So yeah, seven and eight did a lot to raise the tide for me on my general attitude towards the show. Um I, to the point that, you know, who knows if we'll end up covering it on the podcast or not, but I it it, it raised the bar enough that I'd be like, okay, I'm kind of down for whatever's next, you mm-hmm. know. And mm-hmm. and and mildly energized towards when that happens. So yeah, sure. That that's my sort of uh assessment at the last of season one of the witcher. What about
1: you? So a very similar place. One more note about Geralt sitting in the cell. I should have remembered this. I didn't remember it until they come back to check on him and find him empty that we saw that scene in episode one, that we saw them come down and look at an empty cell. But I didn't know Mm. at that, at that moment, I didn't know what that meant, you know, but that moment is in episode one where they come down and they look at the cell and I, you know, yeah, yeah, sure. But, um, I remember when they started sacking Sentra, and I was like, Oh man. And then it, it it pivoted to Geralt in that, you know, sort of cage. I was like, Oh, this is cool. I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that. And so I think like to your point, I think seven really elevated the energy a lot. Like it was a great ramp up. Um, We can maybe get into some more details in general, but to answer your question directly, my one major, I have two, two, I have two major sort of beefs with season one as a whole. Hmm. I will lead with those and then end on my overall feelings, which are generally positive. So my two major beefs with the show is I think in this season, the only reason to care about Siri is because the show repeatedly tells me to. There's nothing Mm -hmm. narratively to make me care about Siri. And that disappointed me because I hoped by the end that I would. Um, so that's, that's one major beef because we spend a decent amount of time with her, but other than her, t- our time spent with her in episode one, I never really cared after that. So, um, so that's yeah, one thing. You are heartless though. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm, okay. I'm just kidding. Do do the Doppler there. Sitting there. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, th- my second, uh, sort of beef with it, this is probably going to sound a little bit odd, but the way that they ended this season feels to me, I'm going to say it the way I thought it. It felt to me like they ended the season on their next to last episode. I did not feel that it was terribly resolved. I felt like it was very much like, you know, the, the Yennefer plotline differently, like the, the Yennefer thing, I feel like had a really strong arc, some really good stuff. I loved a lot of where they took her in episode seven and episode eight. Like, it really wound up being some of my favorite moments of the season uh revolving mm-hmm. around her in sort of coming into her own and stepping up as the mage to kind of be protective and fight the fight uh just some great moments uh, performance wise some great moments visually speaking um and so anyway but i felt like i, I really kind of kind of got quite moved when Geralt and Ciri finally find each other and they hug and everything i was like oh cool cool this is great but then <laughs> I'm just gonna tell it like it is. Like then, like they hug, they embrace. This has been the resolution of everything, and then Geralt says the most obvious thing on top of like people with destinies will find each other. Like I, I felt like this was like the voiceover narration on on that moment, and then uh, Siri pulls back and it's just like, "Who's Yennefer?" And then cut to the credits, and I was like well, this is so a setup for what's coming in season two. And so, that w- so I'm listing that as a complaint, but it pivots into something else. And this is why I wanted to end this way, is, yeah, I feel like the season kind of ended on its next to last episode. That having been said, when season two drops which it will later this year in the fall, I will probably, whether we're covering it or not, queue it up and see where the story goes because it did sort of leave me wanting more. I felt a bit frustrated in the fact that it felt a bit unformed in its, its whole narrative complexity. I liked the way everything was, was pulling together, but I feel like the only really comprehensible and substantive arc that this season gives us is Yennefer's. They're playing around mm-hmm. with a lot of other interesting things, particularly with Geralt but in terms of just like a a cohesive emotionally rich and satisfying story it's yennefer like we start with her at her lowest point We end with her in a moment of profound self-sacrificial triumph. So, and, and I don't get the impression that she's like dead at the end. She's just, she's vanished. And I'm sure the show will tell us what that means or where she is. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a really good arc of narrative and a good arc of character. They take them through some highs, some lows, uh, some bad choices, coming back around to redemptive choices. So, so anchoring in the character of Yennefer, I feel like that's where the show really does right by her episode five and all the nakedness notwithstanding. I feel like that character just in general, they, th- that's why, what I mean when I say like really do right by her, you sure. know, still like an asterisk on that one episode, but everywhere else, like there's a ton emphasis of emphasis on ass. What? Whoa. What? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so those are my feelings about season one of the Witcher.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I, for as ambivalent as I was at the start of the season and Fair honesty, because like you, I am. I don't. I wouldn't say catapulted, but I am propelled into whatever's next with some interest. Yeah, but absolutely, yeah. In full transparency, after two after episode two, I was like, "Read, uh, mm, are we on? Are we in it? Are we are we <laughs> on the this? continent yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing yeah. This? Yes. Uh, just because I had no idea, and it was very confusing. Um, so." What you want to do? Do you want to just jump into seven and eight and kind of talk a little bit about
1: the yeah, content of those? So, what I will say is that in many ways, seven and eight feel like a two-part episode as opposed to two distinct episodes. So, I think it's fair. Uh, listeners might have been a little bit frustrated that we shunted episode seven to. Uh, this conversation as opposed to covering it last, there were a couple of different reasons for that. Uh, primarily, the reason was to give a lot of time to, to talk about Candyman, which, as y'all heard, was a lengthy conversation. The secondary reason of that is that I really do feel like 7 and 8 are a singular piece. Um, so as we're talking about sort of specifics and everything, I, I mentioned already, I did like quite a bit the stuff that they were doing with Geralt, specifically in 8, um, but in both of these episodes with just his connecting to an emotional landscape, because witchers apparently are supposed to have like no emotional ties, no emotional real estate. Um, so the fact that he's experiencing so much like devotion and even regret over, you know, the, the apparent demise of Ciri culminating in do you, um, this is going to seem like a weird comparison, but you remember Man on Fire, the Denzel Washington film. Hmm. And I remember it not registering because I think the trailers had given away that the girl was still alive in that movie. But I remember it not registering until like after reflection that as Denzel Washington, char- Denzel Washington's character is moving through his vengeance. He thinks the little girl that he's taking revenge mm-hmm. on is dead. Mm-hmm. And so then when in the moment towards the end of that film where he you know, sees that she is not dead and the emotional reaction that he has to that is, is pretty affecting and pretty it's profound. Bear. Yep. <laughs> not to, not to get into, you know, all the specifics of man on fire, which we're not talking about, but I had a, a comparable sort of connecting point with Geralt in this, that mm. I knew series alive, but he's going through this and I'm seeing the look on his face and I'm seeing like his sort of despair, to Everything that he feels he has, you know, tremendously failed. He's failed this girl and maybe failed, you know, his vows and maybe failed just as a, a, a being uh, that he's he's lacked his purpose. Um, and so I really liked where they did in that moment. Then they take him to kind of his lowest place. And take him back to what started this all, which I have to confess is is a little confusing. I had to do a little bit of homework after the fact to really sort of touch on what was happening with uh, his mom. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, basically that his mom had left him on the doorstep of that that place or, you know, just sort of abandoned him out there where that's where he eventually became a witcher. And uh, him reflecting on all of those different things and then confronting her, albeit in a dreamlike vision, um, I thought that was all really strong. And I liked that a lot getting back to why I had mentioned Man on Fire, when he hears about the girl in the woods and you see the look on his face, you know, Cavill's performance and Geralt as a character, you see that, and then he goes charging off in the woods to find her. I think that's what really propels that moment and makes it substantive when they finally do see each other in, and embrace. I didn't quite know why Ciri knew him. Did you know why Siri knew him? Why Ciri knew who he was? Do you think she just felt She was it? told she was Calanthe. told, but she'd never seen what he looked like. Oh,
2: well, yeah, but by the same token, why is she asking about Jennifer? How would she have known her?
1: That's a that. Yep, I'm sold. That's done.
2: Yep, <laughs> yep, that's it. I mean, yep. other than her, other than her, you know, communing with Groot, I don't know. Wow. how she knows half the things she knows.
1: No, that's a good point, though. I had I had forgotten, or maybe the show didn't firmly tell me very well that that she yeah has this inciting uh, knowledge. Um, so well, but
2: but, yeah. but and. I think there's a legitimate question there about her knowledge of Yennefer, and not that your question is illegitimate, but what I wonder is, based on what we've seen in the TV show so far, Geralt is the only Witcher we've seen now. Second. Are they...
1: Huh? Who else? Oh, yeah. The The Witcher got killed by the Striga in
2: episode three. Yeah. I guess what I was trying to articulate there is, is there a certain armament, a certain demeanor, a certain sigil that visually conjures them as witchers thus would hmm. she see him Geralt, and know oh that's the witcher that's the one i've been told you know what i mean like i wonder yeah, maybe I, but but again i think it's a fair critique that there's a lot for for all the show does relay there's a lot that it kind of leaves obscured
1: sure i'm you know, just right. kind of filling in the puzzle filling in the blanks on yeah, because I knew why he knew her, because one of my favorite parts about seven is when they're going back and showing like the parts of the same scenes that we didn't see. Uh-huh. So like when she's playing the game out in the city and doesn't realize that he's watching her from the doorway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that game in the city was, again, in episode one, but we never were shown that he was watching her from the doorway. And that's how he realized that um, Calamity had tried yeah. to, yeah, had tried to pull a fast one. And and present him with somebody that was not uh, the princess. So um, so he knew Siri clearly. And they up. were like, "I'm sorry, girl, but your princess is in another castle." I'm so happy <laughs> you did that.
0: It was great. It was great.
1: Um, but uh, but yeah. So again, like like really enjoyed all of that. But I have some most of my complaints that I would level at the show r- mostly involve laudable, bold, creative narrative choices. That I don't think landed as well as I would have wanted them to for me, but I applaud their creativity. I applaud their, their risk taking. Um, it just did not land as well for me as I suspected it would. Um, you know what's funny though is uh, I did look up the article that I alluded to I think a, c- a couple of episodes ago where I was talking about like oh yeah it's one of the most watched uh, shows when Netflix I know where you're going with this yeah when Netflix released, it's their number one most watched well, TV show original TV show okay
2: that's not the fact what I thought you were about to drop because I did screenshot this uh, oh. and I'm glad you said that because I had forgotten but let's 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 be savvy consumers and discerners of of press releases, because okay. you remember circa Bird Box, Bird Box, Bird Box. that Bird you know, oh, it has like, um, you know, most watched movie in Netflix's history. Oh. But the metric, the two minute thing, that's where I'm going with this is yeah. previously to that, uh, it was if they watched. Something for so long. Like that yeah. counted as a view. Well had to
1: watch seventy five percent of it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Netflix recently changed its viewership metric from seventy percent of an episode under the previous down to two minutes under the new metric. The new metric gives viewing figures thirty-five percent higher on average than the previous one. Yeah. So like it says then this is on the Wikipedia for the uh pay for the show, the seventy-six million views in its first month based on the new metric.
0: Mm, is the yeah.
2: largest for a netflix series launch since because listen i don't want to take away from the fan base of the witcher Absolutely i do not. think yeah. what a joke of
1: a metric <laughs> yeah two i minutes. mean really yeah, i get it yeah yeah, Come yeah. On. yeah that's an accident that's right that's, You're like wait wait a second <laughs> this ain't i thought i was watching game of thrones <laughs> this, ain't, this ain't man of steel what am i doing <laughs> this is what is this <laughs> right 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 no i get it
2: i get it uh so so yeah i i you know, it's not a moment to get into a conversation about big tech and the lies they feed to us, but...
1: Mitchells versus come on, Machines. Come on,
2: you know, like, yeah. the metric by which we determine if a person watches thing is if they watch two minutes of an hour-long TV show. Oh, they watch <laughs> right. it.
1: That counts. That, that's They clicked on it. They clicked on it. And, I mean, I will say that I think there's validity to a metric of, how are you marketing it such that people want to click on it? And that's perfectly fine. But if you're going to talk about viewership, two minutes is not substantial. Right. Two minutes is enough time to give up on your show. That's like, that's that's
2: like if you want to use that metric, use it for episodes of Bluey on Disney Plus. Yeah, because that's and a third of the show. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like two minutes is okay, a third of its runtime. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, if you're yeah. only watching two minutes of Bluey, what is really wrong with you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Who are you really? Finish <laughs> that stuff. Yes. Uh, but yeah, if you're Pretty watching two sure. two minutes of The Witcher that's the that's person the ki- who's like I don't get it
1: <laughs> yeah that's the Kikamora like you watch the Kikamora scene and said I'm out yeah. yeah. and then like that'd be the end of it well I saw the Witcher I saw that one you know spider spider baby Um. so yeah I mean but, but I mean I do think again to your point that's not to take away from the substantive fan base that it does ex- yeah. I mean because I've seen metrics before where like objective metrics of all of pop culture where they talk about like just the mass amount of money that games make, like I'm not into this like I was when I had the NES. So, but like evidently, I mean, you know, that was 35 years ago, right? I know, yeah, I know. It's good times. <laughs> so, um, but no, where I'm going with this is that, uh, like I'm not really attuned to what the latest and greatest, hottest game and game system is because I'm just not. That's just not my. It's right. not my bag. Um, so. When people tell me, oh, yes, you know, Metal Gear Solid or whatever is the most popular selling piece of entertainment in history or whatever it is, um, that that overwhelms me a bit. Because I'm like, really? I'm just not. I'm not part of that. Uh, well, it's funny. You keep
2: bringing these up, these things I thought about today, which is awesome that you're like in my brain. You're I'm occupying in your- space in my brain. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because I thought about the video game thing comparison. Yeah and there is a key difference though which is well, it was probably multiples but the one that came to me as i was pondering this today is like there is a credible metric to say i don't know if this is true but like as in like oh witcher 3 is the the highest grossing video game of all time there's an easy way to measure that
0: how yeah, many people
2: right. bought the game thus yeah. regardless of whether they played it beginning to end yeah, it was purchased. they may never put it in. Right, it was purchased. Netflix yeah. is operating under this super <laughs> shaky, smoky, smoke and mirrors kind of metric of like, oh, it's the most watched thing in the history of watched things. It's like, <laughs> well, no, two minutes of it is, maybe, but...
1: Then <laughs> Netflix updates their metrics again, and, and it's like, if the word <laughs> Witcher... Appeared anywhere on social media, we count that as a view, and then yeah. it and, and then it just moves yeah. to W. You oh, know, it's like the if the letter W viewed. appears, yeah, exactly. And it's like most oh, impressions yeah, is, ever in the history of impressions. <laughs> I, I, I'm best not impressed. ever. Yeah, I mean, like so. That's but, a Cavill reference, is it? Oh, yeah, that's right from yeah. uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's right. Um, but now, but again, like getting back to the thing, like it's clear that it has. Because I will say this, ugh, poor a. Very, very stiff, hard drink out for Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance, which I thought was magnificent and deserved a second season. Um, <laughs> magnificent, magnificent. Um, that did it get canceled. It did. It got canceled no. after one season, despite winning an Emmy. So Netflix will not pony up the cash for something that's not, you know, driving subscriptions, driving legitimate viewerships, regardless of what metrics they're willing to publish. They will not fork over the cash for something that's not making them money. Uh, there may be some worlds where they're willing to fork over cash on a first season because who knows? Um, but once you, and maybe even for a second season because of like some interest or whatever, but uh, they are now in the place right now where a sec, where a follow up season is no longer a guarantee with Netflix. Right. And since they're so um, secretive about their measurements and metrics, I have to imagine the fact that we got Witcher season two, so swiftly on the cusp of the other that yes, it is, it is probably a very, very high watched, um, whatever they decide to publish on it, but it, it, it I'm sure it has a, a significant and substantial fan base. And again, like, I think my discouragement with the film was the show. Uh, sorry, with the show. I keep saying film. Um, but I think my discouragement with the show was how much work i had to do to keep pace with it that is that is something that just sort of i was down for it um and when the show you know three or four times through the run of the season when the show swept me away episode three particularly i believe it's episode four in the banquet hall uh lots of stuff in episode seven and eight when the show swept me away um that was tremendous fun it was great i just um i do wish that i'd been able to just sort of like plug in And that it would have been just like, oh yeah, this is fantastic. It's a it's a show that I now can't wait to share with people and talk about. As it kind of stands, I'm it's it's basically probably going to come up in occasional conversation and be like, did you did you see The Witcher? And they'll be like, oh no, I didn't. Be like, okay, well, okay. Did 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 you see uh something? Two minutes of it. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see two two minutes of it? Because if you did, you watched it. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um. So yeah, I've shared some of my thoughts on seven and eight, but I haven't given you a chance to do so yourself.
2: I mean they they're, they're going to be pretty similar but it's funny cuz I keep I don't love going back to this well over and over but its fans do um the game of thrones comparison and right I'll I'll do it this way Here's an interesting inroad. Had we done a watcha on this episode what I might have thrown in is I just started the TV show Lost with my two <laughs> oldest kids
1: mm hmm
2: and you and I on the show over the years have flirted with this type of conversation, or this topic at least, and it it just really begs looking at, in light of, you know, these are, these are three very different on a certain level, similar on some levels, but Game of Thrones, The Witcher, Lost. So, we are seven episodes into season one of Lost. Mm. Uh, just finished... Solitary, which is Saeed. Oh, that's Saeed, right. And, right. Uh, and Nadia's story. And watching this is, I don't remember the last time I restarted Lost. It's been a minute. And knowing what I know about the show's production in the ensuing years since I first watched it, I'm watch and because I'm watching it with my kids, I'm watching it with a different eye. Yeah, certainly. And it's just fascinating because you could, And I'll add to that mix my opinion of J.J. Abrams these days, uh, because he helped with the pilot and then kind of jumped ship for Mission Impossible. But it is very clear watching these first half a dozen plus episodes. They are treading narrative water Mm. to tell character stories to figure out what their narrative is. Yeah, that makes you sense. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so all and so the com- why I throw that in the mix right here is a thing I I I miss. In a general sense, I don't miss 20 plus episode t- uh, uh seasons of television like Yeah. Right. Life and time I, I, that would be pretty intimidating these days depending on what it is, depending on how compelling it is. But Shows that got that format and formula right, at least in large part, your Losts, your X-Files, right, teased out. I don't even mean a mythology or a narrative. I mean just character work. Mm. What Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I get, predominantly, I'm not even talking explicitly about The Witcher. What is hard to come by in modern TV storytelling is deep character work that helps me plug in, helps right. me relate, helps right. me understand. Mm-hmm. And of season one of The Witcher, I'll set it right against season whatever, was it eight of Game of Thrones? A much oh. more truncated, now, yeah. you, you just made a face, which I don't disagree with, but season eight of Game of Thrones compared to seasons one through seven of Game of Thrones is the problem. Season True. eight of Game of Thrones on it by itself, you might have been like, huh, that's kind of cool. Right? It was, it was that it was the end of something that was much more thoughtful and paced that it Mm. felt so disconnected. Right. I said this two or three episodes ago. I actually am interested in the story. The Witcher was trying to tell Mm. it was the storytelling that got in the way sometimes. And part of that is just the fault of the medium and its current incarnation, which Mm. is, Oh, there's eight episodes that have to serve a lot of masters narratively. Right. And ultimately right. what happens is you get a whole lot of plot and mm-hmm. not a lot of really interesting kind of character stuff. And, and so sure. to bring it back to sure. lost, it's like, think about it. Like the, the, the version of lost you get is kind of the season one through seven game of Thrones. It's, we don't mm-hmm. totally know where this is going to land. So we need to kind of hold at arm's reach. Right, a a a a terminal point because we mm-hmm. don't know. So right. we kind of—it's not filler per se. It kind of starts sure, to feel that right. way at a certain point with Lost. Uh, I'll I'll own that. But it's not so much filler as much as it's just we we need to get creative and do the work of storytelling. Right, right? of course. Which is yes. characters, why they do the things they do, mm-hmm. and why that matters to me as someone engaging in their stories. Right, and that is what gets really hard to find in something like. The Witcher, which again is not solely the fault of the, of the, the, the friend, the IP, as much as it in this case is the fault of the format.
1: Does that make yeah. sense at all? No, it, it definitely does. No, uh, it absolutely Such does. Such
2: that. I'm sorry to cut you off. I really am no, sorry. No, but, you're okay. But this was the tail end of that because watching seven and eight, and I would say the end of seven and the bulk of eight specifically, I was like, you know what? This is cool. This is cool mm. stuff. That is relevant to earlier episodes that I didn't understand a lick of. So I right. didn't quite know how on earth I was supposed to consume it or process right. it or digest sure. it such that by the time it comes back around, I'm just like, oh, I remember that person. Oh, yeah. Fringella. Okay. Wow. She's much more important than I even knew to understand.
1: Yeah. You know, she's and, the one now. I And I ask an honest question. She's the one who like first tries and like the hand withers. Right. Isn't that the same bro, person? I don't know. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i thought you were educated on a Witcher. now i thought you know uh, no.
2: no. i'm educated on the monsters not on the mages oh, that makes sense. Uh, okay all yeah. i knew is the name and it keeps popping up and so by the end God you're sure. like oh okay to say uh and these yeah that's all i'm trying to say is the show struggled for me to tell me why certain things mattered the way they did so that when they come back they're less cameos and more payoffs got it because okay. the way yeah. it materialized was oh cool to see some cameos here when yeah. i think the story wants them to be payoffs like this yeah, is the culmination yeah. because let's let's jump into eight so that we have some uh scaffolding here yeah of course i i don't remember the name of the town they're in s- s- Seden, stradden's
1: something Str- or other. sodden okay you know <laughs>
2: um I kind of loved that whole set piece, which is effectively the entirety of episode eight. Yeah. Um, and a, a sort of question to you is, what to you was the coolest execution of magish abilities? Because oh there's God. a lot. There's a lot of stuff that's going there's on in that a episode. a lot of really, that, really
1: cool stuff. Yes. Stuff I had never seen before. So I'm going to give it to something that I had not seen before, okay. because I've seen cool fire tricks, though, there's some really cool fire tricks. And there's a lot of other things going on there, too. The uh, vines as the gateway sort of barrier, mm-hmm. the the vines sort of coming through and then the uh, Guardians trying to break through that to, to hurt her. Yeah, just the weave and the way they would... Try to weave around and like try to you know force their hand out or try to put pressure on them to draw their hand back and everything. I thought that was super inventive and really cool looking. Great visually to see them sort to see the vines sort of creep in and create this little barrier. Yeah, it was really cool. Okay, I'm gonna
2: throw out my answer to this question and then sort of pose a thing that I'm I'm not sure I understood about the show. Sure, might have told me and I just missed it. My favorite, actually, just genuinely loved the sequence of boom, cool, cool mage effect, boom, cool mage effect. I really liked that sort of, uh, uh rhythm, but yeah. I think one of the most effective ones sort of on a character level too, is dude's name is and his, and his not Vilgefortz. But yeah, a <laughs> do, <Do-do and Vilgefortz. laughs> <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> and, uh, was the sword guy. He keeps materializing the new swords. Mm-hmm. And that was just a really well executed action set piece. But you, I, I will own it if, if it just passed me by earlier, because this is the point I'm trying to make is things I didn't quite comprehend were important that end up important. A thematic bit of yeast that gets kneaded into the dough of episode eight is this reserve your chaos idea.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. right.
2: And specifically Vilgefortz over overextends himself mhm cuz remember Jennifer, i think in her telepathic you know kind of utterances is like hey you know <laughs> watch yourself uh but basically says reserve your chaos he keeps repeating uh one I guess it also begs the question of how how uh, effective a swordsman he is if he keeps losing every sword he materializes. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but he eventually runs. I'm just out. Just
1: a really bad wizard. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> no great wizard, bad swordsman. Um, <laughs> uh, is did the notion of depleting or or you know reserving chaos as a as a in video game parlance kind of energy.
1: Bar was that your MPs, yeah? Um, Present, maybe I don't know about present without the because, um, the only time we really get into the mechanics of Majory is when in the early episodes when Yennefer is training, right? And then, really, the only other time that we see it where there's any question of how long can someone keep this up Mm -hmm. was the portals with Yennefer, where like. Mm It, it, begins to be more and more of a struggle the more times she does this. And then she right. even says at one point, I think, I can't, I can't keep pace with this. I can't do this. So that concept, you know, like in video games of like, oh yeah, their MPs are all like are depleting and reducing. I, I do think it would be fair to say that that's a through line narratively. Um, and I think because of where Yennefer's story ends, I would affirm that I think they're trying to say something about a through line. Thematically, because of course that's her big hero's moment at the end is when uh, I always I know her name I visualize seeing her name but I don't is it Taisa no Tasea 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 okay so when Tasea tells her let your chaos explode and you know that's that's the narrative release your chaos really yeah and that's the I thought she said let your chaos explode maybe she said both I don't remember but um. She, uh, when she, when, when Jennifer then takes that, I mean, the camera zooms in on her face. We see her kind of collecting herself. We see her collect the fire, which that was really cool. Like where she pulled, kind of pulled the fire into her fingertips mm-hmm. from the distances mm-hmm. and then just sort of unleashed it everywhere. Um, really, really effective and powerful moment. Um, so yeah, I would say that because that is the culmination of, of where she's been leading and who she's been trying to become, because now she's unleashing her force of of power for, I guess you could say, for good ends. She's trying sure, to sure. You know, protect and save this city. But back to your point about that being a thing that can be depleted, she's gone. Now right, you right, know, right. and 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 again, I should say I don't think this show wants us to think she's dead uh but but she is definitely gone right she's oh, yeah. she's, she's you know she's completely back. vanished yeah, yeah. oh absolutely back.
2: yeah uh yeah and i think all i was trying to articulate is the putting specific language to it reserve your chaos release your chaos like i didn't i couldn't remember if if that sort of articulation had been present right. um uh, you know we're not formally doing we already did a those ain't right but i will add to the that ain't right, at least in the traditional formula, is the wormy little monsters in the box.
1: Oh God. The little yeah. little wormy in your ear. In yeah, your yeah,
2: yeah. It like, reminded oh. me of, uh, is it Wrath of Khan? Yeah, Wrath of it's is? Wrath of Khan yeah, where that yeah, little yeah.
1: sluggish thing gets into his ear. Most traumatizing moment in <sighs> all of right. Star Trek history. That ain't right. That ain't yep. right. No, but it's, um yeah, that, that whole thing. Because it, it threw me for a second when her friend attacks her in the tower. Oh yeah, and then I was like, I thought it was "Oh just yeah, control, but yeah, but yeah." It, and so, um, so yeah, but it, it threw me off for a second when I when I saw that until I saw those things and of like, the Teenage oh, that's Witch, when... yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's when it finally clicked. Like, oh, that's why there's there's uh some despair there. But what I didn't get is I don't know if Vilgefort's Mm-hmm. Farts. I don't know <laughs> if it's Vilga <Vilgefarts>. Um <laughs> Boy, I had the I had the Strega boy last night, and now I got the Vilga farts. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let the dude get you.
1: No, there it is. Um, but in the final moment, we see him. He kills one of his own, and I couldn't tell. Does he? If, I don't remember that part. Yeah. Well, he ki- Yeah, because the the guy against the tree who's wounded is like, oh, help me! And then he just like. <laughs>
2: <laughs> help me <Is> he that <laughs> <pathetic>? <laughs> he's just like you're dead <laughs> so... <laughs> but, but I'm, you I, always I mean, said my name wrong
1: but I think that I couldn't discern maybe savvier listeners will know I couldn't discern if his deception was choice or if he was mind controlled like the rest I don't know and 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 yeah, I couldn't yeah. tell because it didn't show me that he was being, like, controlled by one of those worm things or anything. So I don't know if his... I got the impression that this was, like, he was really, like, sort of a double agent or something. But I don't know if that was the impression I was supposed to get or not. Um, or a double magent. Wow. Ooh. Clever girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, like... <laughs> But I think that's what I mean.
2: I'd love the thought of Jacob listening to this conversation and be like, oh, my God, you guys (laughs) did not pick up on anything. (laughs) I want so badly to tell Uh, you everything. Uh, In his defense, I love your lilac and gooseberries note, Jacob. Man, that was wonderful. That was so
1: delightful. Um, But I do think it's like, yeah, um, that's why I keep coming back to this notion of I feel like they ended at their next to last episode. I would have liked to have seen one more thing. But again, Yennefer's plotline was really done cuz I feel like her, you know, storyline for this season reached a satisfying conclusion to its arc. And I think in the sense that Geralt and Ciri are now together, that also did so. But there's still a lot going on to this world that I'm like, I don't I don't really get a payoff for that, you know. Um, but anyway. And do uh, you do you
2: comprehend the general motivation of the Nilfgaardians? Like it feels conquest? like quest. I don't know. All right. Okay. <laughs> But it feels like some of that conflict is rooted at the at the at the banquet, right?
1: Yeah, but I get the impression that Sentra is something of a controversial figurehead, like to the to the end. But I don't know why the town, the town, ta- yeah, the town and right. Calanthe as a leader. It's like I get the impression that maybe it's like a class thing, and maybe it's like a oh, the Sentrans are the big, you know, like Landing. ultra elite, but um, you know, and the Nilfgaardians are the ones that are. Wanting to like rise up and and reclaim their, you know, agency, ownership or something. i you know, I'm, but I'm, I'm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying know to connect.
2: This, there's a character named mouse sack. I'm Like, I don't. Wow. What? Yeah, Mouthsack. Now I do but, love. That's one of my favorite scenes in Seven and Eight is the teleporting. When they corner him in the basement, and Mouthsack oh. is with him, and he makes them teleport them.
1: That was pretty, yes, I yeah, that, that was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. I think the the. I mean, there is a conversation... What? <laughs> Nothing. Just us trying to talk our way through these characters and places yes, and yeah, whatnot. Where they, where they are and what they do. Um, I think... So Jacob brought up something. Listeners heard it. And I, I do think it's it's interesting. It's an interesting exploration of this notion of, um, of fate and destiny, which they... That is unquestionably a thematic through line throughout everything. I mean, it's the... I kind of joked about it earlier, but that's the note that Geralt narrates for you when he and Siri finally embrace. I do still think the moment might have been more powerful if they'd have just embraced and that be it, but it's fine. Um, And I feel like that concept of Geralt as a character constantly pushing and pulling against what everybody keeps saying is his destiny, I do think that's an interesting exploration that the show is trying to do, and that him being a, a witcher, which is not, you know, again, as Jacob pointed out, they're, they're not really accepted. Uh, anyway, they're, they're more tolerated uh, than anything else, and I feel like he's uniquely positioned... To kind of be the guy you want in the room, but the guy you don't want in the room, uh, you know, as as well, because he's so unpredictable and, um, you know, he makes his own choices in terms of even sometimes when he's conscripted to do certain things, he's um, not necessarily going to go the route that you expected him to go. He's not necessarily, you know, he's not going to try to kill the Striga, he's going to try to save the Striga, and and I find that really very compelling And I do think some of what the show was playing around with about fate and destiny and what's predetermined and what is the result of your own choices. I think there's some really interesting stuff there. I just kind of really resonate a lot with what you say that it's like I I respect and admire the story they're trying to tell. I think their storytelling is getting in their way in a couple of these sort of just with the layout of this first season. Another big reason why I'm so fascinated to see what the second season does is I want to see if they are just pure linear now. Like, I want to see now, do certainly. we just follow, you know, well, I say certainly, uh, yeah, but, I mean, uh, but that's pfft. more wishful thinking than anything, uh, yeah, I guess. It's like, but, but I'm not really sure exactly where they, you know, how they're going to construct the second season. Now that Siri and Geralt have found each other and presumably by Siri's last line, going to go on a search to, you know, reconcile with Jen, with Yennefer, Jennifer. Yeah. But with Yennefer. Uh, Jennifer. <laughs> Um, so, so I am interested to see that, but, but yeah, I am, I mean, questions and considerations of determinism and fate and destiny. Um, I think my biggest thing is, is the show is interested in asking that question. I don't know that it's interested or, or as interested in exploring the ramifications of someone's journey through that, you know, like, cause I feel like Geralt, you know, pretty pretty much embraces that, yeah, Siri's my responsibility and I'm coming to to protect her or try to protect her despite Calanthe sort of being like, no, you can't, you can't ever. So but, I'm gonna give you- I mean,
2: he does reject that mantle for some time.
1: True. Uh, and I can't remember, I think they laid it out for us in 7, but I can't remember, what is it that ultimately drives him back to embrace? Do you remember? Do you know? I don't. I'm, I'm um, asking if you remember. No, I
2: just think the, the number of times over the last four weeks when one of us says I can't. Did it say it? Do you remember? We, to, I don't know. Um, no, no, uh no. So, so I was trying to. I was wondering, did six feed into it? Six ends with the big Geralt and Yennefer fight. Then right, Geralt gets mad at Yaskier. Yeah, and they part, all part ways. But seven begins with Geralt warning. Mouse sack of the nif guard NIF, mm-hmm. the NIF guardians on the move so so that's yes. him catching up to it but i can't but you're kind of making the point mm. is yeah. you've got characters moving through a story and i'm really uncertain why certain choices are being made i yes yes um agreed. yeah which sounds good to say because destiny but that's also cheap storytelling too like I now I'm going to give some shout outs here for what I thought was happening in the banquet. I could be totally wrong here <laughs> when. So the law of surprise is bestowed upon Geralt, which is why or uh Dooney offers him that which commits he and Siri to each other. Am yes. I not wrong? Dooney also invokes it as having been
1: gifted to him, which is why he's now there. Correct. Right. Okay. okay. Yes. So He's the there of- to claim his mm-hmm. bride, which was his reward for the law of surprise. That's right. his claim. Yes. Um
2: and as one thing I found actually really interesting about that, and you I think you had said you thought this was Pavada's powers, and 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 this is where I joked, like, does can everybody do something here? But mm-hmm. remember the maelstrom that hits. Yeah, the big the cyclone thing? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I may be totally wrong. I interpreted that because I think that's after that happens in response to Calanthe trying to kill him. Remember yes. when
1: it's she stops uh, Calanthe from killing him by screaming. And then it's immediately after that, that the cyclone sort of okay. raises them up.
2: Yes. I'm going to tell you how I read that scene. Okay. Is that the cyclone, it's was destiny itself. Ooh. Asserting it's, it's care over which is why yeah. I was not saying I thought I am not certifiably disagreeing with you. Cause I just don't know. I didn't think I sure. had powers. I thought she just screamed. And the, the active essence of destiny was asserting the law of surprise in their favor, subverting Calanthe's attempts to kill him saying, no, 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 no.
1: My which, only, ch- yeah, what, me, please, me, I, I, it, no, I mean, I just, no, my what? only challenge to that is that when the maelstrom subsides, Calanthe comes to Pavada and says I thought your grandmother's powers had skipped you the way it had skipped me she directly calls out now that's not to say that it's the maelstrom maybe it was the scream I don't know but <laughs> but I just know that I just I just know that Calanthe says I remember that Calanthe says to her I thought your grandmother's powers had skipped you the way they skipped me something to that line mm. uh, to that end well um, then who the hell knows yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know, but like I,
2: before you follow that train, all I was trying to establish in both of these instances is because you referenced Geralt and Siri and at the end, and I'm 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 piggybacking a bit on Jacob's the, the track he was laying there was I kind of like the idea, however misreading I might have done of the banquet scene, I was taken at least momentarily and like the idea that Destiny might have Form and substance in this world yeah. that's going to, uh, you know, we can use the word predestined if we want, but I don't think it's that simple and reductive uh, a way to phrase it. But that just the things that are meant to be together by commitment and by, you know, spirit will yeah. be together. And I think that's a yeah. really cool and really
1: powerful sort of idea. Oh, absolutely. And I think that it's worth considering, and I like your. Although, again, this is not a, meant to be a backhanded compliment. Although I still feel yeah. convinced that that was pretty much Pavada's powers because right. of that one line, I like the idea of destiny being an unseen entity that's sort of like mm-hmm. tying tying all these things together. I agree with you. I think that's I think that's pretty profound. And I don't know. It's like when you get into the when you get into some of those subjects about our own life, and and we get into the senses of determinism, and the senses of You know, in in theological speak, people talk about predestination, but in general, the the push and pull that, you know, of what is inevitable versus what we influence with our own decisions. And what those of us who believe in God as we do, what God influences with what takes place, you Mm -hmm. know, what was it inevitable because, okay, I'm going to speculate some really heady things here very quickly, but are things inevitable because they are set in motion and we cannot change them? Are things inevitable because when we begin as the narrative in Genesis tells us of the tower of Babel, when things begin to go in a way that God says, no, not this way, he intervenes in some way, uh, or, you know, comes in and, 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 uh, subverts something or sideswipes something, uh, uh, in, in that capacity, or is it purely the, the, uh, automatic end result of all of the different, choices that individual human beings make um in individual scenarios you know like uh dropping a little em malcolm with like chaos theory uh from from jurassic park it it's like the idea that there are this myriad of different choices microscopic variations to the choice um even uh, things that would say like, okay, if we end this conversation at an hour thirty as opposed to an hour twenty or something, you know, what whatever it mm-hmm. is that that small variation in things may have ripple effects that then carry over into a number of other incalculable factors. Right. Um. So either it's all sort of the dance of will, or is it predetermined? Go ahead with what you've been
2: saying. I was just gonna say, well, there it is. <laughs> And and there it is.
1: <laughs>
0: the only no, one on my I'm, side is a blood
1: sucking lawyer. So,
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I I think my brain is too small for that. <laughs> I mean, I I think I re- I remember referencing this on the show one time. I don't remember in what context, but of listening to um, I've I've got an a, a peer who is a self professed atheist. Uh, that i know have known for decades now and r- really great guy and he tipped me off to this kind of physicist person and i went looking for just i was like oh i, I should kind of have some knowledge of this and be and hear this out and see what's up and and listening to this physicist um and i maybe miss i maybe you know overlapping some some influences there but listen to this physicist in a particular inner podcast interview and it was just mind blowing. He's like, mm. nothing you do is your own choice. <laughs> like, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, just from in term in, in this weird, it's been a while since I've listened to it. This weird kind of cosmic meta macro scale. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're, you're not doing anything that <laughs> is
1: wow. of your own will. I'm like, Oh, oh God. I but he's talking, and, and, and I, I'm not going to ask you to remember too many particulars yeah. of this because good luck. It'll but fail. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you could you should be able to probably at least answer this i think and if not then no judgment but sure. the the was he speaking from a position that like there's a force that is sort of tilting the scales one way or another or is it cosmologically mathematics that like B, hey yeah, yeah yeah okay so so cosmology it was, it was mathematics less, I, it was
2: now you may be saying something really specific i'm unaware of but i'm simply saying it was less divine sort right. of hand yes. and more just mm, this is just the way the universe is operating and you're yeah. just a, a participant in it
1: or that a basically our participant sure that but, uh, i guess cuz i something that i have pondered before i've I've been talking a lot to my son who has a a pretty strong fear of bugs and uh that's just you something you should show him
2: the episode with the Jiminy Cricket thing. Yeah, he'd love I'm that. Sure.
1: That's that's great. It'd be fun in my household. I'll have to do sleep regression for the next like two years. But um the but I think you know, when I'm talking to him about it, I'm talking about, you know, just the things the animals do and talking about instincts. I'm just like, you know, it's just it's just their instinct, you know, that that bee that you're so terrified of is it's just merely... a tip with legs. Wow, yeah. Let me show you Candyman. That'll really, <laughs> That'll really do it do a They didn't no
2: harm wrong. him, son. No, it's see, like look. you show him Candyman in order to diminish his fear of bees. It's right, like, right. okay. And he's like,
0: oh, my God. <laughs> he's like,
2: the housing projects. Oh, my God. He's like, Dr. So, <laughs> Burke is so nice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, God, Daddy. Maybe I should give therapy a chance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh! Wow.
2: Well. an
1: Unin- unintended takeaway, yeah. but the, uh, but I think the, the thing that's worth considering is that like, I'm trying to emphasize that bee is just trying to get from one flower to another. It's just on its path. You know, it's just, it's doing what it has the instinct to do and is following those different things. And I would wonder getting back to cosmo cosmological yep. mathematics is the, is the postulate that, Oh, We are creatures of instinct. It's just that because we have layered on so much of our own either self-awareness or, you know, the ponderings of our own existence and things like that, that we um, are under the illusion that we are not operating from instinct, but rather from decisive, you know, this is the choice that I'm making. And obviously I should just probably seek out the episode and listen to what he has to say, but, um, except
2: that I can't tell you his name. So, you know, it's, yeah, that seems predestined, that that
1: would be the luck. case. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. It's this mythical conversation I'm never going to get to, you know, so, but I, but I do but think takeaway <laughs> is this was all
2: meant to be read,
1: <laughs> but I think it's, you know, and, and scriptures, I mean, there are a myriad of different theological positions on this. I'm not going to articulate them all because that's boring. But I'm just like (laughs) that. (laughs) But I think, you know, it is it is worth wrestling with how much is, you know, uh, intervened upon and how much is because I'm I'll express my own. I'll make it personal for a minute. Like I'll express my own like where I sit with it, honestly, is very much not because i sit at some church of stephen king or whatever but it's very much the way that stephen king has but you, you,
2: you kind of do let's let's it's let's okay. back off
1: I'm, so you're know, not a therapist no, I'm no just hate. <laughs> so, but no no i mean like stephen king's uh postulates on this subject align pretty closely with my own which is there are things in the world that are pushing us towards order and there are things in the world that are pushing us towards chaos. Now, I'm going to use the words order and chaos. I'm going to ask you, Nathan, and any listeners not to get too hung up on that. I'm just kind of adopting the, you know, that there are things which are pushing towards good ends. Oh, that's, she's awesome. Chaos. Um, uh, listeners don't know that he just held up WandaVision for me. Uh, Wanda Maximoff. But, um this notion that the things are pushing upon each other and that there are things working in the world to to produce good and health and wholeness and there are things working in the world to produce not that, the, you know, the opposite to that end and that we as people are caught a bit in the balance of those two sort of streaming uh, forces. Um, I have frequently pondered and i don't know how much this has arrested people's imaginations before maybe i'm i'm somewhat uh solitary in this or at least uh, a rare species that i contemplate this but between the old testament and the new testament 400 years of silence from from god no no judges no prophets no anything just 400 years of silence and the fact that in in terms of biblical text biblical textual history God just bows out of the conversation for 400 years. But then the end result of that is that then we dive into the New Testament and it's the coming of Christ is the is the sort of culmination. The first time that God speaks after 400 years is to Zachariah to say, hey, you're going to your wife's going to give birth to John and then to Mary uh, through Gabriel that she's going to give birth to Jesus. And and so it's like you have this long stretch of time where there's just nothing, no intervention. Generations come and go no intervention whatsoever it is a and, and and this is what i arrests my imagination significantly it's this notion of there was that precedented time in history where people were born and people died and lived their entire life i do not believe god was not watching and i do not believe god was not acting with great intention but he was silent in that span of time and was not actively sort of interacting uh with anybody and so when people talk about the role of God in our day-to-day lives and the role of people in, uh, like, our own sort of push against determinism and is everything predestined, were we destined to start this podcast, become friends, do all of these other kinds of things, um, you know, it is it is fascinating to me to explore the ways in which I feel like I am my own person but I feel like it's really difficult for me to deny that I am being pushed and pulled upon by things beyond my unseen self for Uh, sure. Like, and uh, you know, whether that be cosmological mathematics, whether that be, as I do believe the active intentive presence of Christ and the Holy Spirit and God, uh, whether that be, you know, things that are of a more malevolent nature that are maybe, uh feeding off of what would otherwise be good and wholesome in who I am and and uh for you know their own intents and purposes but I just I I I just think that's kind of where I sit with it that I that I hang in the balance of all of that and that uh you know I'm I'm responsible for my choices um which is why I think they're my choices I think if something was predetermined, I don't know how I could be responsible for them. Maybe that's mm-hmm. just something that's, maybe that's a bridge I just can't cross, but I'm like, yeah, if, 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 if it's all predetermined, I don't know how I could be held accountable or responsible for, you know, what happened. And I do believe in personal accountability and personal responsibility, which is why I believe our choices are our choices. And yeah, you know, um, at the same
2: time, it's kind of fun to ponder that we were destined to make this show together.
1: I mean, I do like that. That's like, a, I, you know. I, yeah, I shared, um, when i when i paid tribute to my to my late friend Randy i shared that i i loved his sentiment where he said you know take a moment look around and realize that our stories couldn't have finished without each other i find that genuinely lovely sure and i do think that there is i just feel by and large that i you know obviously i believe in what some might call an interventionist god i believe in a god who who at his will and pleasure sometimes steps into time to transact, if you will. Do I believe that's the sum total of our relationship with God? No, I, 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 I don't, uh, I, I don't believe that. Um, but I, but I do not believe as, you know, far too far more of the founding fathers were more deists, uh, than, uh, than they were like, you know, uh, evangelicals, uh, evangelicals <laughs> then people were, which is you know the deist vision is that you know yeah god set the world in motion and then kind of clockmaker you know the, the yeah the clockmaker that he's he's in his perpetual and then god rested sort of <laughs> sort of state of things um but uh and I, I i don't feel that way i i have kind of experienced too much personally to to make me feel that way but uh, but it is interesting to ponder and i i I, I don't necessarily embrace the notion that the future is set, but I do think it's possible that there are certain things which inevitably will come about to be, um, you know, whatever those. Whether that says something as morbid or final as we will die, uh, whether that is something. You know, or or like grow old or something like that, or whether that's things that are a little bit more lovely, like, you know, progressions of path towards health, depending on the choices you make and the and the people around, you know, who who surround you. Um, I I don't know. I don't even know if I'm making sense. I'm just these are these are the things that I think about in this conversation about fate and destiny and free will and and all of that kind of kind of thing. Hmm. You, see, you look to me like a man with thoughts to share. It could be that you're just a man with thoughts to think. <laughs> 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 Let destiny decide which. Let us flip a coin.
2: There are thoughts, they are half formed or even a quarter so and you know, there's there's risk of coming out babbling, but So, so like I just did, (laughs) uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's funny. I think there's a deep part of me that, that is actively resistant to a deterministic kind of framework, but that's my nonconformist kick against the goads type of type of persona. I, and I, I think in this immediate second, I don't even mean this era of life. I mean, this literal moment, I kind of am okay with the idea of a destiny esque influence on, Mm -hmm. on certain things. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think destiny or if we want to get, you know, kind of Christian about it. God cares what, what Marvel legend figure I have on my desk. Um, Yeah, of course. But there are times I think about I like I actually think you're probably correct in your uh, textual reading of the banquet scene Mm. the romantic in me likes the idea that love and romantic love is is a spoke on the wheel of a destiny concept Um, I often think when the moment comes and there's no need to put so much weight on it that it has to be one moment. But many conversations over time when I talk to my children about what I think is a rather silly evangelical notion of the one, you know, this person All right, sing, yeah. singular of, of eight billion people in the world. There's 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 only one and only one. And if you miss that, you've you've missed it. I think that's a bit. I don't know. Silly feels like a mean word, but it's the one that's coming to me in the moment at the same time. I think there's a firmament that could be stood on that a person can become the one to you. Mm, mm. If that distinction makes any sense. Yeah, sure. And I've followed this rabbit trail specifically just to say, like, I think it's hard for me to say, Oh, we were destined to be together. Or you and I were destined to make the fear of God together. I do like the idea that we have become destined to do so. Mhm. I find that really lovely and really me too. Yeah. Heartening and 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 not betraying of the nonconformist version of me either. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh it's the, it's the both and maybe I'm trying to have my cake and eat it too. Um
1: but I do like cake. So cake is cake is good. <laughs> I'll th- I'll throw one thing out there and then maybe this is our sort of landing pad to 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 wind it home like I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about you know Christ in the garden and you know is there any other way that we can do this I do I do think a lot about Christ and his temptation in the wilderness and that's that question in the garden of is there any other way to do this and the and the frequency of times when he said you know he told them that he was going to die and rise again in 3 days and so I think Here's the best way that I can articulate this. When I think about Christ and what happened there, it was set in motion. It was prophesied. Um, I'm going to articulate a bunch of things in quick succession just to sort of wrap up my framework and then say where I think we fit into this from my point of view, from my vantage point. Um, A bunch of things were set in motion. Christ was born. Christ lived Christ died and Christ rose. Uh, I believe all of these. And then in the midst of that, and then uh, not to forget about the temptation as well, in my mind and in my understanding of the theological construct, if it was not possible for Christ to have succumbed to temptation, then the victory over temptation meant next to nothing. If it was mm-hmm. not possible for him as a man to have succumbed to temptation, then his victory in temptation was little more than an inevitable box check. In the same token, if it were not possible for him to endure the cross and endure death and rise again, and were not possible to somehow undermine what his mission was through that process, then his mission meant nothing. If it's a box check, then that's all it is. It's just it's just a box check. So the way that I kind of try to reconcile our position within these things is there are paths upon which we're set and places which I believe the Lord would have us to go and places, and I also think, speaking of that, I also think about uh, what Jesus told to Peter at the end of John, which I've invoked before, where he said, someday someone's going to put you in clothes you don't want to wear and take you to a place you don't want to go. Well, if there's absolutely no sort of forecast, then a statement like that is is nonsense. It means nothing. But I don't believe it's nonsense. I believe that there is sort of like a path we set ourselves upon and that we walk that path, hopefully in faithfulness, uh, as Eugene Peterson would describe it, along obedience in the same direction. Like, I, I hope we walk that path faithfully. But at the same token, I do believe there is capacity along the way for us to make choices that might uh, either divert us from that path whether temporarily or not or might just culminate in things that were not necessarily automatic outcomes of it and and we don't have time uh, we definitely don't have time maybe don't have depth in this conversation to wrestle with all of the complexities of adam and eve eating the fruit in the garden uh, the flood and its ramifications uh, David being anointed when Saul was still king, all of these different things that are collisions of destiny and purpose, but also choice and also this, uh, you know, where we sit in the flow of it. But where I try to sit is in a place that I believe is true of Christ in those moments, that it is possible to make the wrong decisions and it is possible to make decisions which will not produce good outcomes and not produce good in my life. But I have been set upon a course where I will be nudged, pushed, guided, instructed, uh, hopefully led, led is probably the best word, to the right choices, which will then be mine to make, or not. And that is kind of how I view my world in in the scheme of things that i will i will be guided led to the places where i will have the opportunity to make the right choices and then it is up to me to make them or to not i feel Um, like you're you're you know propping up me for the black hole paradox you know oh uh i don't know (laughs) (laughs) and Anne just watches from the Oh man, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Boy, that uh, that yeah, article that just blew my mind. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, in the interests of sort of putting a button on it, so that we can maybe go to the fog meter for Witcher season one. That's my that's my take on that piece. Um, and 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 I do. I, I would. I know for myself, I sit quite often with uh, that that understanding of well, the choice is mine to make whether or not. I made it as an as a result of inevitability or I made it as a result of agency the choice is still mine to make and uh, and it's 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 kind of up to me to do everything that I can with my choices it's like I just don't have all the information and so I have to make the best choices that I possibly can given the information that I do have and that that's how we navigate our you know was it destiny was it choice as Forrest Gump would say maybe a little bit of both was it destiny or fate? And he Forrest said Gump maybe little- that? Forrest Gump said, I thought you were yeah, quoting Star-Lord there. No, no. He, he, no, Forrest Gump said, because I think Star-Lord quotes Forrest Gump. But he's like, you know, no, he doesn't. No, he, he left doesn't. in the 80s. Yeah. But no, uh, he stands at Jenny's grave and he said, was it was it fate or was it choice? Maybe a little bit of both happening maybe at the both. same time? He says it that way. Yeah, right. he does say it that way. Oh, man. Should we, <laughs> <Janae>. should, <laughs> should we put this in the books before you go to Bubba Gump's shrimp castle? Can't sit here. Oh, no. Uh, uh, yeah, let's do it, Striga. Okay, all right. Uh, fog meter is our very specific metric. You know it by now, of fear and God, how we measure the scares and the substance of the material that we cover. Uh, we are covering now Witcher Season 1, wrapping up, and so I am going to lead the charge on fear. Not terribly nightmarish, but man, the monsters are awesome. So while it's not terribly frightening... Uh, I'm going to give it a six just for the monsters and creature designs alone. We covered them at the top of the show, but uh, yeah, I'm going to go six for the fear measurement. I'll join you. <laughs> right. yeah. I didn't mean Pondered to open think that. That. Yep, yep. Uh, Here I yep, go. Go here for I it. Go. It's destined. Uh, what, what would you say on the God measurement? I don't
2: know. I think it, I think it name drops a lot of thematic touch points. Uh, it's hard for me to kind of see... A well-formed uh, picture painted there. Um,
1: uh, for God, I'm gonna go with a five. Okay. Uh, it it's funny because the number that I'm landing on is uh, for comparable reasons is a is a four. Um, I think for me, it's you said it so succinctly and great that it's like, I, I really like the story being told. The storytelling gets in the way, which makes it really hard for me to know concretely what's on its mind and what's just baked into the conversation. I think the earlier episodes do a better job of substantiating th- some thematic elements than the later episodes do. Uh, stuff like wrestling with the lesser of two evils and things like that, that I think are really yeah, interesting. Yeah, actually, I wrote that down and that's episode one. And no, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so that means that we give The Witcher season one, five out of 10 on the fog meter, which perfectly respectable showing man, the tricky question. And I'll go first. Would I recommend the Witcher season one? I'm going <laughs> to cop out and reserve my answer until I see Witcher season two, because oh, I thought you were saying I'm going to go first. I'm going to cop out Nathan. You go. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I thought you were doing no, because I think, how I no, feel about no, season no, two. No, no.
2: I'm not going to let you do it. I'm not going to let you off that no, hook. No, I'm do- not going oh. to let, let you off Candyman's hook there. Do you recommend season one?
1: I don't yet. Mm. I don't yet. I, I might change my tune if season... So, yeah, don't let me off the hook. That's fine. My answer is no, I don't recommend Witcher season one. Um, Season two may turn me around to that. But ultimately, the experience was something that I do not regret. I am, I am happy to have watched it. It's not something that I'm going to really champ get out there and champion to for a bunch of people to see i may feel differently when season two comes around but what about for you i think it's an extremely qualified recommend okay. um okay.
2: like this has happened i have some colleagues who were game of thrones fans and and i you know i asked them if they'd seen it and no i was like you might actually like it so like i have kind of softly recommended it, but gotcha. yeah, sure. But when yeah. I do, when, when it comes up, it is with the qualifier, like just, yeah, hold on Understood. tight for a little bit. Sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. Understood.
2: Um, so, you know, again, I, I actually, the, the tropes that are present, I appreciate. Um, sure. Yeah. You know, and, and by the end of it, like I said, it was, it is not, uh, uh this is not me just trying to save face. There were moments in those last two episodes where I was like, doggone it. I'm kind of curious what I am kind of missing from the first episodes now. Right. That of course. Would right. make this a little more impactful that, that that's not a backhanded compliment. Like they're not there. I'm saying and there probably were some stuff there. I just missed it because I yeah, didn't know what I was understand. being fed. Um, so yeah, I, I would say it's an
1: extremely qualified recommend. Okay. All right. Well, that well. Uh, here's what I will say. Uh, I have, I have some big applause to heap on Jacob Sane's way for, uh, sending us through this journey because, as I said, it's an experience that I, I don't regret. I am, I will be queuing up season two, whether we decide to cover yep. it on the show or not. And, and that's not yeah. nothing. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious to see where they go next. Um, so thank you very, very much, Jacob, for taking us on this journey. Uh, Nathan, thank you for walking the journey with me. Next week, uh, it should be noted we have three weeks left. Of the what scares us segment of this year. So we will be very soon, uh, issuing, you know, kind of what's next. Uh, obviously the setback half of the year is going to be what saves us with a hopefully very fun and pretty off the wall intermission in between of some things that we have planned. Um, but for the next three weeks, uh, we will be wrapping up the submissions that we've received for what scares us. We won't be able to get to everything. Thank you so much for everybody who's got it. But next week we are going to be going to a film. I should have looked up the director. I only know Ryan Reynolds (laughs) in a coffin. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no ryan reynolds in a coffin we're going to be going to uh next week to the film buried hearkening back to what jess said last week about being trapped boy talking about being trapped yeah so uh so we're going to be covering ryan reynolds uh starring buried uh next week and that'll be the first of our last three of the what scares us submissions uh nathan thank you again so much for this conversation thank you again Jacob for driving us here Um, and as we say on every episode the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom but not the end of the conversation and in that spirit we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing we'll see you next week everyone see you guys at the continent
0: (laughs) the incontinent continental breakfast
1: (laughs) he's not just continent he's incontinent. The Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest news and episodes, or for merchandise and to contact us directly. You can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God, on Instagram at Fear of or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork to Lee Wright, who helped me, read Lackey, write our theme music, and to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.
0: Hi, everybody.